Well, good morning, my friends. I pray that you are doing well. This is podcast number 270. This is for Thursday, April 22nd. We're in day four of our series, uh, The Cross and Four Words, Freedom, Forgiveness, Justice, Purpose. We're looking at justice. Now, again, what we're doing in these first few days is just the introduction, and we will get further in-depth into all four of those Uh, things that the cross has provided um, for us as we get farther into this. Today, we're looking at justice. Um, I think we have a tendency to think that God is is only a God of love, and we hear that a lot nowadays. But the reality is in all of the attributes of God, and there are many, um, God is as much a God of justice as he is a God of love. And you and I want that. We say that we want mercy, but we also want justice for those who have done us wrong. it's it's a it's a human uh, uh, frailty. It's a it's a thing that we want. We want people's at times to suffer for what they've done. Uh, maybe you're better than me, and maybe you don't. Uh, but uh, I heard Bill Johnson say one time when they asked him about why he doesn't always want justice and why he's so forgiving. He said, "Nobody's ever done anything to me that I haven't done worse to Christ." And uh, that's just like a a mic drop. Nobody's ever done anything worse to me than I have done to Christ. And our sin cost Jesus his life. Even though he did it willingly, um, it cost him his life. Turn to Isaiah chapter 53. Um, Scriptures show us that we are guilty of many sins. Romans 3.23, for all of sin, it comes short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin, what we earn for sin is death. But the gift... Notice the difference between wages and gift. Wages is what we earn. Gift is what we get. Is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In Isaiah chapter 53, um, it talks about the suffering servant. And let's look at these two verses. They're not easy to look at, but the reality is that God, in his plan, demanded justice for our sin. Look at verses 10 and 11 of Rome, or, uh, Isaiah 53. Yet it was the will of of the Lord to crush him. Not an accident, not an afterthought. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their Iniquities. What does Jesus do? Jesus bears our iniquities. What do, what does the Father do? He lays the iniquities on the shoulders of his son. And why is that important? Because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And Jesus' blood is the payment. Now, we've been looking at the Old Testament and looking at these uh, three stories. We looked at the Exodus story, which talked about the Passover. We looked at Leviticus and looked at the, um, uh, not just the Passover lamb, but we looked at the scapegoat. And Jesus was both the Passover lamb and the scapegoat. And now we look at the suffering servant in Isaiah 53, and we realize that Jesus fulfills all of this. Jesus fulfills all of it. And why is that important for you and I? Because uh, condemnation and wrath was due to you and I as sinners. But look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. One of my favorite verses, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ 
Jesus. Verse two, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what uh, what the law weakened by flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Remember John 1, 14, Jesus, the word became flesh. Hebrews 2, 14 says that he became like you and I wrapped in human flesh. Um, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus paid all of the price. Verse four, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. The reality is that there was a righteous payment that needed to be paid. And the only way that could be paid was by a sinless, spotless lamb. And who was that sinless, spotless lamb uh, to not just appease God, but to take away the sins of the world by paying the ultimate price. John 1 29, behold the lamb of God, John says, who takes away, doesn't appease, doesn't cover, He takes away the sins of the world. The price needed to be paid. We need to understand that God, by his own justice, by his own honesty, by his own um, righteousness, had to hold someone accountable for our sin. And the reality is he gave us a way to be to be free from our sin, to be cleansed from our sin, and to not be people of wrath, but be people of mercy. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Uh, another one of my favorite scriptures. I say that a lot, don't I? Um, uh, Galat- or excuse me, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake, for you and I, he made him sin to be sin, who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Because of the price that Jesus paid, he didn't just cleanse our sins, as I've said over and over again, and leave us a square one, but he lived a righteous life so that when he cleansed our sins, we stand forgiven. And now because of his righteousness, it's imputed or given to us um, so that when we stand before God, we stand before God righteous. Why did that happen? because there was no other way to do it. There was no one else who could pay the price that you and I needed uh, paid for our sins. Look at Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two, beginning with verse five. Paul teaching the people of Philippi. Remember, it's for the Philippians first, and then it's for us. Philippians chapter two, verse five. Have this mind among you, which is, uh, yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Remember John one fourteen, Hebrews two fourteen. Um, he paid the price for us, wrapped in human flesh, and being found in human form. Again, there there it is. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, even death on the cross. Even Paul wraps it up here and says that although the it's the foolish, uh, the cross is the foolishness uh, of God. It, it, is, it is truly in a time when the cross was looked at as a form of capital punishment, as a form of warning, as a form of destruction of the enemies. God allowed his son to go all the way, even to the point of dying on the cross. People have told me, um, I don't think Jesus died for me. People have told me, um, God, is, God is too good and too just and too righteous 
to accept me. Well, you're right. He doesn't accept you, but he accepts the sacrifice that Jesus paid for you. Let me say that again. He doesn't accept you, but he accepts the sacrifice that Jesus paid for you. Then he accepts you. The Bible says we're accepted in the beloved. Why? It's not because of your works. It's not because of something you've done. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. We can't earn it. It's by faith in the one who paid the price so that you and I could stand before God and God could say, righteous. Think about that. I know how unrighteous my life has been. I know how tainted by sin my life has been. I know that I still fail. But the reality is when when God looks at me, he looks through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. When the accuser of the brethren, Satan, stands before God and says, Gary Holdy is a louse, he is the worst, he's a liar, he's a cheat, he's a steal, he betrays you, he'd only serve you because you bless him. When, G- when God looks at me, he looks through the blood of Jesus Christ, not because of anything I have done other than accept the sacrifice, the payment of his sin. So what should that cause me to do? What should that cause you to do? It should cause us to lean into the one who paid the price for us. Ephesians, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter four, and I'll land this, Hebrews chapter four, verse 14. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. And because he was without sin, he could pay the price for us. And because of that, and because of what he's done for our life and our acknowledging the fact that Jesus was the only one who could pay the price and Jesus did pay the price. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. That we may receive mercy and grace in time of need. What has he done for us? God has placed on his son the iniquity of us all. Listen to this quote, and I'll close. For God to allow such a sacrifice is grace. For God to provide such a sacrifice is amazing grace. For God to become such a sacrifice is grace beyond our wildest dreams. Let me say that again. Get your pens ready. Get your paper ready. For God to allow such a sacrifice is grace. For God to provide such a sacrifice is amazing grace. For God to become such a sacrifice is grace beyond our wildest dreams. Jesus paid the price for you and I. And God was willing to lay on him the iniquity of us all. Why? So that we could spend an eternity with him. Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter six, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you till we talk again.